you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, November 23. Bruce Lehrman's lawyer says Brittany Higgins is an unreliable witness whose claim to have been raped is full of inconsistencies and improbabilities. Barrister Matthew Richardson, SC, told the federal court Higgins had given unreliable evidence on the purchase of alcohol on the night in question, the words spoken by her bosses, the reasons she'd not pursued a police complaint, and how material on her phone came to be deleted. Lehrman is suing Network 10 and journalist Lisa Wilkinson over a 2021 story on The Project, in which Higgins claimed she'd been raped in Parliament House by an unnamed senior staffer and that politicians and senior government Morrison staff had treated her as a political problem and pressured her to stay quiet. Network 10 will argue the allegations were true. Our legal affairs correspondent Ellie Dudley is covering the case. Bruce Lerman has, for the first time under oath, given his version of events of the night that he allegedly raped Brittany Higgins. He's also spoken about the aftermath of the project interview, saying that his friends deleted him off Facebook, he was kicked out of social media group chats, and that people on Twitter said what he called disgusting things about him. He's spoken about getting admitted to a mental health facility and said that he had to delete his social media as a coping mechanism. Bruce Lerman has consistently and vehemently denied allegations that he raped Brittany Higgins. The National Transport Safety Watchdog has slammed Netflix star Matt Wright, who has lost his businesses after a fatal crash involving one of his helicopters in the Northern Territory. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau found the helicopter likely collided with terrain in February 2022 due to fuel exhaustion, killing fellow Outback Wrangler star Chris Wilson. That's at odds with the Australian's reports from employee Tim Luck, who said he filled up the fuel tank himself just 20 minutes before the crash. A huge breakthrough in the Middle East war, with hostages finally on their way home. In today's story, the families who've been living in hope and the high-stakes deal to get their loved ones back. Hamas will release 53 Israeli hostages, all women and children, in a deal that involves Israel releasing 150 Palestinian women and teenagers held in prison. There'll be a five-day ceasefire, and Israel's agreed to allow more fuel and food into Gaza, despite concerns those supplies have in the past been used for military purposes by Hamas. The deal is a recognition of the civilian emergency in Gaza, where Israel's determination to wipe out Hamas has resulted in widespread destruction and death. This is one of the world's longest-running conflicts, dating back to the very creation of Israel after World War II. This round kicked off on October 7, when Hamas sent fighters via tunnels and paragliders into Israeli farming communities and massacred civilians, including babies and elderly people. Hundreds were taken hostage, and desperate families have been camped in Tel Aviv trying to ensure Israel's hawkish Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu keeps them front of mind 
as he takes his revenge on Hamas. Our correspondent Yoni Bashan has been meeting hostage families around Israel. One of the people he's been speaking to is Anat Shoshani. Anat is the 25-year-old granddaughter of David and Adina Mosh. She works at Ernst & Young, the global accountancy firm, and she's studying accounting and business management. David and Adina lived in the kibbutz of Near Oz, one of the sites of October 7's worst violence. They've been married for 53 years. Speaking to Yoni, Anat describes Adina as a loving woman with a big personality. She's spicy. You cannot, you can't miss what she thinks about you or in general. If she have an opinion, you're going to hear it out loud. And uh, she's very caring. I mean, she's, she raised most of the kids in the kibbutz, so... Now they're all grown-ups, like 40 or 30 years old. She, she cares for each one of them like he or she is like her own kid. Her grandfather was a lot more low-key. My grandfather was a farmer. He grew up potatoes. He really liked his work and the, the earth and this profession. Like He had a lot of connection to the nature. He was a very quiet man and... He had a lot of dignity, like, uh, but not in the tough way. He was very gentle man, but in the like, you couldn't disrespect him because he was such so kind, and so helpful, and so peaceful. David lost his brother in the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago. He was born in Iraq, and Anat says he has a lot of relationships with Israeli Arabs and with Gazans. He had many respect to their culture and they had many respect to him. And that's why I believe that on his last moments he just felt so much betrayal of all that he believed in. Like. David was murdered on October 7 in his own home. Anat's grandparents were hiding in their safe room as around them their friends were massacred. Their next-door neighbour, an elderly lady, was last seen on Facebook Live being murdered by a Hamas militant who live-streamed his attack. Anat's grandmother was taken hostage. Throughout all the horrific worry, Anat has been thinking a lot about her grandparents' relationship. They were in love like they just met. It was just unbelievable how all these years they just they look at each other and they just can't help it. They're always smiling whenever they, their eyes are meeting or like when we found their phone after everything, we saw in their conversation every single morning he would text her, good morning, my beautiful wife, I love you. Another day with you, how lucky am I? Coming up, the last words Anat heard her grandma speak, and what she wants now. My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. 
I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. On the day of the attack, as Anata sent frantic messages via WhatsApp, her grandparents told her the sound of gunfire was everywhere around them. I sort of realised that I need to say them goodbye. So I texted her, Grandma, I love you. I send you all my powers. Please don't give up. And she answered me, Sweetie, I love you a lot. Heart, like, so calm. So... She always tried not to show us nothing. Like, she was very, very strong. At around three in the afternoon of October 7, Anat, who was trying to avoid looking at the horrific videos coming out on social media, got a message from a friend asking her to send pictures of her grandmother. Anat got the impression her grandmother had appeared in one of those videos. Late that evening, the Israel Defence Forces made it to near Oz and fought their way in. Anat's uncle, who lived in the kibbutz, went to the window of her grandparents' house. He came to the shelter window and he saw the body of my grandfather. So on 6.30pm he called me, told me that he's dead. And... That's when I realized that, okay, my grandmother is not there. Okay. And I told my friend to send me the video. It's just four seconds long. But this video shows Anat's grandmother in a red shirt with grey hair, sitting on the back of a motorbike between two men speeding down a street. She looks terrified. The man in front of her has a rifle strapped across his chest. The man behind her has one fist in the air and the other raising one finger straight up as women and kids on the street watch them go by. And I see her on a bike inside Gaza. And... Sorry. It's okay, it's okay. No, no, it's fine. I'm used to crying. Don't worry. After her grandfather's funeral, Anat and her family went to near Oz. She says it looks like hell. Burned down cars everywhere, kid toys all over the streets, clothes, blood everywhere, dried blood all over the, even on the roads, like, just like a horror movie. I had like this thought that, whoa, my grandfather wouldn't let any of this happen, like us being sad and cry and mourn and, and until she's home. Like he, he wouldn't want us to even bury him until she's home. He wouldn't walk one step until she's home, you know. And that's when I realized that I need to fight. 
I need to get the fuck up and fight for her life. I don't get to be sad now and I don't get to cry and I don't get to, to mourn or feel sorry for myself because this is, and it will be a time for that. I know that. But now we need to fight because I realized that no one's fighting for me. No one defending me. No one defending my family. I'm just a girl like I don't have the ability to change the world. I know that, but I know that I need to do everything in my powers. It's still happening. She's there. She kidnapped alive. She's, I, I have to believe she's alive. Now, Anat says her whole struggle, talking to journalists, keeping the pressure on the government, is about making sure nobody adjusts to this new reality. She's waiting to find out if and when her grandmother will be released. And she hopes that she's still alive. I want solutions. I want a deal. I want that no one will rest and until it happened. Because, you know, when you talk, I always used to think about the Holocaust and what, what would I do if I lived on that? Because, you know, it, it lasts so many people, so many years, because so many times, like, people just adjusted the idea that, okay, they murdered Jewish people. Okay, like, I don't think that in our modern day we have the privilege to let something this inhumane happen. Anat Shoshani spoke to Yoni Bashan. Thank you for joining us on The Front. The best way to help us bring you this kind of journalism is to subscribe at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.